This is the Hidden Wire Podcast, episode 947. My interview with Marcy Rader, discussing her book, Work Well, Play More. Enjoy. Marcy, welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you, Lee. You're having a, it must be evening there or afternoon? No, it's, well, afternoon, 3.30. And okay. after That's this, okay. I am going to head out for a bike ride before it starts to get too dark. Yeah, very good. So you're a bike rider, huh? I am. Yes. Yeah. I used to be a competitive mountain biker and triathlete, and now I just bike for fun. Okay, cool. Um, what what made you stop um, competing? That's kind of a loaded question. Probably a bigger answer than you would have thought. I was diagnosed at the age of 39 with three autoimmune diseases, mm-hmm. and I had been in menopause since the age of 46. And um, a lot of that was due to a very high intensity, high stress lifestyle. Um, Mm -hmm. I traveled about 48 weeks a year. I competed um, in over 100 ultra endurance or endurance races in that decade and basically just triggered um, the biggest case of physiological burnout that a person could do. And um, so... When I got that diagnosis, I did one more race and shifted my entire lifestyle, and I'm much happier for doing it. I don't regret some of the things that I did back then, but I'm much happier now. No, I live with no regrets. eh? um, So that that is sort of the reason for your your direction. Um, This way you've got, you know, a couple of books published, you you coach, you speak. Um, Your newest book is Work Well, Play More. Um, which I think is is about bringing balance, you know, to our lifestyles of of work and and um, and pleasure, I suppose. Absolutely. What what um what were you doing prior to this? Were you were you in a different career? I was. I worked in clinical research in pharma and biotech for 14 years, mm-hmm. and that's when I traveled so much and um, worked my way up that up the ladder and ended up as a training manager and did the corporate training for our company and then started my business as a productivity and health coaching firm seven years ago just celebrated my seventh business anniversary and started that because people would always ask me you know how do you do it all and um, you know how do you shut down with inbox zero have a date with your husband every week and also, you know, stay, you know, healthy and fit and, and everything. And so I started the company first, just focusing on business travelers. But then, you know, I had so many people say, I don't travel for business, but I want you to teach me the same things that you're teaching them. And so now travel is really just a vertical for me. And the business has morphed. Um, every year has been better than the last. And even with the pandemic, um, this has been my biggest year ever. And you know, I am, you know, I just focus on the the presence and attention for people where whether it relates to time boundaries, um, focus and attention, healthy behaviors at work and home. And, you know, I, I find that people are needing it more and more now. Mm, how have you found the shift with what you do, um, you know, since COVID's come about in the pandemic? Like, how have you felt um, people are, are behaving differently and how has that affected how you coach or or mentor them. Sure. Well, I have been speaking on working well remotely 
for over a decade because I used to teach okay. people. So it's that. not too new. No, that wasn't new at all. And I was just slammed busy the first three months. Um, I had so much work because, you know, it people didn't have time to um, prepare to mm. work from home. And, it, you know, it's not easy for everyone. And even for those people that were working from home, they weren't working with their spouse there or with their kids there. No. And, you know, for me, it was a shift because my husband wasn't here before, you know, asking me when I was going to take a break for lunch and run in the vacuum and things when I'm on calls. And so, you know, thinking about how I coach people as well, you know, before it was easy to say, you know, have strong boundaries. You know, you worked hard all day or you worked smart all day. You know, when you get home, I want you to take that time to be with your family and not check your email again. Um, but now it's different because sometimes we can't be as fully focused as we wanna be during the workday because we have to help our kids with virtual school. And so it may be that, you know, you have to find those focus, those times for, you know, intense focus and then come back to work later after you put your kids down. And so, you know, figuring out how to make that shift, but then also, you know, here in the U.S., besides the pandemic, we have had um, a lot of social justice uh, and unrest issues. Mm -hmm. We have had um, we're now nearing an election. Yep. Um, it has been a really incredible newsworthy year. And the all three of those combined have made people even more addicted to their phones and devices in general and it's it's bringing on something that is now called loneliness, where we're you know becoming more lonely um, because we're spending more time with our phones and our devices, even when people are in the room with us. And um, you know, so my t attention has also shifted to you know guide people to create behaviors where they're focusing on people instead of devices. Mm, yeah. How do you feel this is uh, affecting the, the well-being and, and I guess in, in line with what you do, but the well-being of, of people out there, like, you know, you're saying people are addicted to their phones, on their phones more. What is the consequences of that that you're seeing? Well, digital wellness, which is, you know, a relatively new term, I think is going to become even more um, in our common vernacular and people are starting to make that shift on, yeah. you know, in, into looking into what is digital wellness? How can I manage my device instead of my device managing me? And one thing that I emphasize to people is that it's not your fault. You know, when, you know, when we're bombarded with notifications or banners or badges and, and there's clickbait everywhere, you know, all of these platforms are designed to give you that dopamine response. And the more you get that dopamine drip in your brain, the more your brain wants it. Mm. And, you know, it's it's become this monster that even the people that developed it, you know, they don't know how to stop it. And and we we didn't know that it was going to do these things. We didn't know that it was going to have these effects. And, you know, there's there's not a single study that I have found that's that a social media platform has not sponsored that says that it brings about more happiness. You know, instead, it tends to bring about more, you know, negative or neutral feelings after being on them.
Yeah, so, you say it's leading to, um, I don't know the term, but loneliness, loneliness, loneliness. Loneliness. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, wouldn't there be an argument saying that because we're all shut behind doors and there's less ability to get out there and interact with people that, you know, jumping on our devices to connect with people through social media or whatever is actually another way just to connect with people? Yes and no. I'm finding that people are, you know, sitting on the couch with their family or at the table, you know, when people use that excuse, oh, I use my phone to connect with people. You're using the phone sometimes to connect with people while you're having dinner with your own family. Mm, and, yeah. And the, you know, social media is a tool, but it never it will never take the place of real connection and talking to people. I mean, maybe we can't do it in person, but, you know, even picking up the phone. But that's not, you know, when people say I'm just using it to connect, are you really connecting or are you being a voyeur and just looking at other people's posts? Are you, you know, are you doing things at home or at work or when you're on vacation with the sole intention of posting it? You know, are you thinking about the hashtag that you are going to put on your photo as you're taking it? Or are you just enjoying the scene first? You're enjoying looking out over the mountainside first without thinking, what's this hashtag going to be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's probably the later that most people are thinking about. Mm -hmm. How people yeah. are going to respond to this post. Yeah. Right, right. So what um, what are the solutions? Like, how do you personally manage your, your phone interaction and digital activity? Yeah. So... My husband and I implemented phone-free Friday nights last January. We did that um, as a New Year's Eve experiment. We had a party, and we have a a phone um, a phone holder for that holds up to I think ten devices. And everybody that came to the party had to put their phone in there, which was a very interesting experiment. And then you know we liked it so much that we started doing phone-free Friday nights. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, I don't use devices when I'm with my friends. They're put away. I have my phone on do not disturb almost all day long. Um, and it's always on silent so that it's not calling me to check it. I am going to it when I want to. And so mm. that I have total control over it. I also, and, and I realize that I might be more extreme than some. Um, I'm also not on any social media except for LinkedIn. And I use it for business purposes only. I have accounts on other channels um, so that it's not, you know, my account's not, my name's not stolen or anything. I have accounts on those channels, but I don't use them anymore. And that was also an experiment that I did. So you just use LinkedIn and I, no, no Facebook or anything like that? Twitter? Nope, exactly. And that was an experiment with my business because I had many people say, you have to be on Instagram and Facebook, you know, and, um, to if you have a business and I went off of those platforms because they never made me feel good being on them and they always felt like a chore and my business certainly hasn't suffered if it has I don't know it because my business has grown since then and I'm certainly happier not having to go on there to yeah. those channels and you know it we can only really truly have so many friends right and I would rather keep up with my true circle of friends than, you know, have a thousand friends, quote unquote friends that I really don't know. 
Mm. And so to me, the word friend means something very different than what it means with Facebook. What does friend mean to you? What is a friend? A friend is somebody that I would have over to dinner, yeah. that I would um, actually know them and and want to hang out with them. Um, not somebody that just, um, you know, posts some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting that the whole idea of friendship and how that's uh, potentially changed. Although you know the deeper meaning of friendship um, should be that someone that you can um, ultimately and intimately share pretty much anything with, without having the need for um, profit, self gain, advance, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. um, I mean that that um, I mean it sounds kind of silly, doesn't it, to have a a phone free Friday night and to have everyone put their phones in a in a, in a carriage, um, just so you can do that. Um, and I agree with you. I'm the same. I keep my phone on silence all day. Um, and it annoys some people because they go, why don't you, you know, answer your phone? And I'm just like, well, it's on silent. I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, and I'll attend to it when I, you know, feel, feel ready. And that's certainly around productivity. I'm guessing you're, you know, a big advocate of, of being focused and in the moment. Um, how do you find that helps your presence? Oh, well, it, you know, from a work perspective, I can't pay the attention that I need to to my coaching clients if I have my notifications and phone on mm. all the time. Yeah. And there was one great study that showed just having your phone in your sight lowered your IQ because and, and they had, you know, um, subjects perform different tests. And, you know, with the phone in their sight, with the phone in a drawer, but within reach and with the phone out of the room Mm. and just having the phone in our sight, we have to constantly fight on whether or not to pick that phone up and look at it. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, So now a lot of times I don't even keep my phone in the Mm. um, room I'm in. I'll keep it somewhere else. That's a good point. I mean, my desk here, um, you know, I try to keep a, a fairly minimalist and organized uh, workspace, but my phone is next to me. There's a few documents and things on my table. And I know that even when I'm talking to you, if I if I glance at something like my phone and probably more so my phone than some other things on the desk, um, it can distract my mind and, and suddenly my thoughts go elsewhere rather than focusing on what I'm doing right in front of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you and, have like a minimalist desk, like a like just a desk with your, your whatever you're doing on it? Well, I have a pretty big desk yeah. with um, two computers and three external or three monitors, and mm-hmm. uh, but I don't have anything on my desk that I don't use except for two things. One is um, a little drum that a friend of mine gave me that is uh, just a special connection to him. And then this uh, decorative yoga animal thing that another um, friend, my PR person gave to me. And again, that is a more of an inspirational decorative thing, but everything else is functional. Yeah. 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 It's probably a good lesson in that for all of us just to, have a look at our workspace and see what what's there and what's a distraction and what's necessary and not. Mm-hmm. The um, so when you talk about um, you know, a lot of people ask you how do you get so much done. You you talk about being present more and, and rather than um, you know, being elsewhere uh, in whatever you're doing, and I guess that's a big part to productivity. And then for you being able to get everything done, 
Um, but what is the, you know, what is some of the techniques that help you really focus your productivity? Sure. Well, I am definitely not, not perfect. I am a very distracted person, just mm. like most people. So I need to save myself from myself. And I use systems to do that. Mm-hmm. And I use programs like Freedom, Freedom.2. Yeah. And that is um, a website blocker that will block certain websites for certain amounts of time um, or even for entire days or for blocks. Like if you say, I want to you know, do this for one hour, um, then you can run a Freedom session and it won't let you open up any new tabs. So I use that. Um, I also only process email twice a day, yep. and so, which is, you know, I, I inbox zero every day, um, but I only process twice and I never hit my inbox first. I've always, I always do my top task, at least one of my top tasks for the day first before I ever hit my inbox because your inbox is another person's agenda. And so I always want my agenda to be um, on the forefront. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that idea. I mean, I'm, I'm in a business where emails are important. So is my phone. I'm on my phone most of the day with my, my job. Um, but still being able to discipline myself not to, you know, check emails constantly um, mm-hmm. or, or to put, you know, my phone aside if I'm focusing on a particular um, uh, task that I need to get done um, certainly helps me get through those things. Um, but, yeah, email's a big one, you know. We're constantly checking into the, the inbox and seeing what else is there um even though we're in the middle of an important task yeah and you know and this is this is different for different people's roles and jobs you know i said twice a day but some of my clients you know they need to process more often one thing i recommend is if you use outlook to work offline as much as you can so that you're not distracted by the emails coming in and if you use the google workspace platform then using extensions like inbox pause or inbox when ready so that you can send emails all you want but you're not seeing the new ones come in except for on a schedule that you set so that mm. you are not distracted um, by any of those new emails and I, I like using both of those methods as well i'm not too sure about these apps and, and things i mean i probably just don't use them because i'm not that cluey or or don't know how to implement them but i I sort of have a strong belief that self-discipline when it comes to these things and training yourself you know um having your inbox open there um, but making sure that you train yourself not to go over there and check it and i know that if it's there it's a distraction and you got that temptation but don't you think there's a there's a need to to be able to build up that 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 discipline around those distractions and I would no. I disagree. I disagree, and that's okay for us to disagree on that. I feel like we have enough. So you know that is willpower and decision making, and and I would prefer people to use their willpower on other things that they can't control as much um, than to use it on something that we know affects your brain in a way that you can't control. You know, the those types of platforms, you know, notifications, social media, um, news feeds, you know, those are built with the same psychology as casinos. Mm. And that dopamine response that you get when you get a new email or you get a you know, text notification or something, you know, that's not something that we can choose to get or not. It's a physiological response. So yeah. I would prefer 
for people to not have to deal with that and and have to use up their willpower bucket because willpower is not finite. If if you know, I would rather them use their willpower for what they're going to have for dinner rather than um, 150 to 250 notifications a day. Yeah, but I mean, the the discipline might just be closing that tab so you're not actually having it there in front of you. Your environment is is a big part of your willpower. Oh, I definitely agree with you there. Yes, like not having your email open all day. Absolutely, that is that is definitely a training that I agree with you on. Like if you can shut those things down and and you know when you're and that's why I think you know if you're focusing on a task and you have a really clean environment around you, minimalist environment. I know some creatives absolutely love stuff around them. Um, and that's fine if that's if that's what works for them. But I think, you know, if you're focusing on a task, less distractions around you, the better. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess for some folk, if you can implement a few apps and stuff that helps you from, you know, if you do get tempted and go over there, that it won't allow you to do anything. But I, I think just shutting things down, turning off notifications, removing things from sight um, are probably some of the easiest ways to, to get about, you know, being focused on the task at hand and being more present. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you're somebody that, you know, I have people that say, you know, I get sucked into Instagram or I'm addicted to news feeds. In order to get them to that point, you know, at least in the beginning, it is helpful for them to have blockers and things to get them out of the habit. Because mm. sometimes impulse yeah. behavior, it's yeah. typically an impulse behavior or a process in the brain. And so that is it's almost a, a little bit like a training wheel. Um, because not everybody can go cold turkey like that. No, no, it's like um, cigarette addiction, I guess, and, and using mm-hmm. patches or something like that. That mm-hmm. uh, for some people that seems to help them get off it, but for a lot of other people, they would argue that you're just replacing one thing for the other, and you're not mm-hmm. actually solving the the issue. But um, with with you know talking, you know, when you're saying you're in a group setting, and I'm so guilty of this, um, where if your phone's out on the table. Um, it's it's immediately going to stop that conversation from being a, a really good quality conversation. So putting that away is is important. Um, and again, just having having it on silent and out of sight will help you get more involved. And then disciplining yourself not to take it out of your pocket every five minutes to have a look at it. You know, yeah. um, hard harder harder to do than than it is. You know, I, I get that, but certainly creating that that practice is is going to be beneficial. And I know when the COVID came for me. Um, yeah, I was on I was on news feeds more. I was on social media more. I started to become quite more addicted to my phone uh, than previously, and I had to have that that awareness to say, hey, hang on, you know, this is actually not benefiting me, and it's actually distracting me and making me feel a bit more negative. Um, so I had to really become aware so I could switch off. And and when I was tempted to jump on, go, hang on, what's this for? You know, why am I doing right. this? Right. Yeah, I um, I had an interesting experience last year. One of my very best friends, whenever we meet for coffee or anywhere, she always has her phone out and and she would say, you know, in case the school calls, the school or her husband. Mm. And, you know, I'm not going to argue with people if they're worried about, you know, the school calling. And so I never said anything to her. And then one day we met my husband and I met her husband and her at a coffee shop and their son was with them and she had her phone out Mm. on the table and it was interesting because the two the you know the two reasons why she has said always you know this is why i keep my you know phone out they were there and 
So it, um, it didn't make me feel good, that's for sure, because it made me feel like she's just waiting for something else, uh, maybe something better. But also what it, what it shows is that a lot of times it's impulse behavior, you know, why we are doing the things that we do and habitual, and yeah. we're not even thinking about it. You know, yeah. it is her habit to have that phone out on the table all the time. Mm. And, and so it's not something that she's being intentional about. No, that's right. Yeah. So even though you, you think you're doing something for a reason, it, it actually um, influences your, your habits um, mm. across the board. The, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's one of those things that people just have to find out what works for them, hey? Like, I mean, I don't know. When you coach people, you can't sort of implement, you know, one one strategy for every individual. You have to sort of work yeah. with those individuals to, to tailor what mm -hmm. works with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you? and you know, one of the questions that I ask is um, in their in, in their intake form is, are you on social media more than you want to be, as much as you want to be, or you know, not as much as you want to be? You know, like how happy are you with your social media? And um, you know, nobody ever says I want to be on it more, but you know, some people if people if somebody says you know I'm on it I'm on it about the right amount of time then we don't even touch that area. You know, I'm not somebody that's anti-social media. I, you know, it's a, it can be a good tool mm. for different things. I, you know, I'm not opposed to it, um, but I don't think that it's something to go to out of boredom or, you know, um, and then also, you know, going back to, are you doing something just for a hashtag or is it because you really want to do it? You know, like thinking about, how you're really using it and and are you really connecting to people or are you is it more just voyeurism and boredom mm, yeah and that's what i often wonder myself when i when i you know i go into google news feeds and i'm not a big news person i don't watch news on nightly tv but every now and then i like to jump on there and, and just read some of the news stories because they're targeted to to what i've been searching generally anyway Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes I jump on there and go, you know, what? Why am I doing this? Is there something else I could be doing better with my time that has more purpose or or benefit to me or others? Um, and that sort of thinking before I do something certainly helps me avoid that next step. Um, but that's creating that again higher level of awareness um, around um, our lives, I suppose. Do you have a practice, like a mindfulness practice, or something that you help to? to really enhance that awareness? Well, I do meditate hmm. daily. What does that yeah. look like for you? I started out with just two minutes. Um, yeah. That was about eight years ago because I have a very squirrely brain and was really highly distracted. I started out with two minutes. And now I, I, can, I typically will go anywhere from eight to 25 minutes, depending on the day. I do use guided meditation or guided breathing yeah. sounds i find it it is still hard for me to just sit um but is there a app that you use or something that you really yes. enjoy so i use app i mean app calm.com calm. or um the aura ring has something called moment and i, I have an aura ring so i use that sometimes but mostly i use calm.com and we have an infrared sauna and so I will get in the infrared. So after I ride my bike today, I'll mm. come back and I'll do a little bit more work while my sauna is heating up. 
And then I will go and sit in the sauna for 20 to 30 minutes and I'll spend about 15 to 20 minutes doing a breathing exercise from the Calm app. Yeah. You got a sauna. Huh? Yeah, infrared yeah. sauna. Yeah. That's the that's the cool thing, man. I wish I had a sauna and a hot spa. Yeah. <laughs> it's um there are a lot of really incredible health benefits from infrared and so we got it to help with um, my Hashimoto's disease and my Renaud's disease, but it it just also feels good to you. Yeah, it's a great way to stop. It's like a meditation. I I lived in Japan for many years and and I went to the the onsen, the hot baths, and you'd mm. go down there and you'd sit. You know, I had a bit of a ritual. I'd go down there and and because I was in Japan, I really didn't make too much conversation or not often anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd sit there in the hot spa and then I'd jump into the cold water and, you know, it was probably about 15 minutes followed by 10 minutes, followed by another 10 minutes, followed by 10 minutes in the sauna. And yeah. it was just that time where you just sit there with your eyes closed and, you know, it was very meditative. Um, and certainly I felt incredible benefits mindfully, um, around that, but also my health benefits were incredible too. So, um, oh, yes. and that's called contrast therapy. And so when I get done with the sauna, I'll jump in the shower and I wait for it to to warm up. I get into where it, you know it's cold at first, and it actually um, starts that mammalian dive reflex where you're like, you know, like you have almost hyperventilate a little bit, but it's good for you. Mm. That reflex is actually um, very good for you, and it's immune boosting. So um, you are you are doing the right thing with the contrast. No, therapy. no, but it's not here at my house now or in Australia. <laughs> it's not as okay. uh, accessible. But um, I like that little sauna at home. Something to work towards, for sure. Um, what else? I mean, your meditation routines, 8 to 25 minutes, using guided meditation, that's what I would recommend for anyone is just to mm-hmm. to start with one of those apps if you're really struggling to to be distracted. I sort of mix it up and, and have let go of it a little bit. I'm trying to bring, bring it back in a bit more now, but um, certainly the morning was always a good time for me. Um, mm-hmm. I felt at the end of the day there was still too many things going on. Um what else do you do to to try and help train that that presence? Yeah, so I, I have to I have to um, mention though I, the only time I can do it I can meditate well in the evenings is okay. if I'm in the sauna. Otherwise, I have to do it in the morning because of what you just said that just things keep piling up and you're and it's like I don't you know I don't want to stop be to to meditate because I'm already like on the go and in things so I think um if you are starting a meditation practice starting that you know doing it in the morning can be helpful because otherwise you just keep putting it off until it's time to go to bed almost it's like um, exercise too isn't it I mean yes you know I used to try and exercise in the afternoon and I've just started again I'm trying to bring so I've really got a good morning routine, but I'm trying to make a, an evening routine as well. And there's a few things I'm doing differently now that seem to be quite effective. But that if you're just starting out, that discipline of just doing the exercise in the morning, that means it's done. You know, you're not going to get to the end of the day and say, oh, I just buggered or I've had a stressful day or something else happened and I just I can't be bothered today. You're not going to miss out. Yeah. And, you know, like I don't I always work out in the morning, yeah. um, even if it's just 10 minutes. But right now it's dark here in the morning, so I I can't get I can't ride my bike. I, I'm not going to ride my bike in the dark here. So I still got up and I did 10 minutes, just in case, like 10 hard minutes, just in case something comes up that you know shortens my bike ride or you know derails my plan in any way. I've still done something, 
And what's, it, what's 10 hard minutes look like? What are you doing there? Body weight exercise or something? The um, It varies. So this morning, so I have a trampoline. Um, I, I don't belong to a gym, but I have a trampoline. I jump rope. I run. I lift weights. Um, I do body weight exercises. I do yoga. I, you know, I like to vary it as much as I can. I think that's the healthiest way. And um, so this morning happened to be um, more of a leg routine on my trampoline. Yeah. And when I go ride in a little bit, it'll be intervals for about an hour and I'll listen to podcasts while I'm writing. That's what I mm. like to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're obviously a, a person that's been doing this for, for some time now as well. And I guess it's different for someone starting out. Um, but, you know, I think for everyone, you start somewhere and, you know, start with that two minutes and then build it up to 25 minutes over time. And, and once you get that discipline in place where it's habitual, then you might be looking at, you know, making an extra uh, routine in the afternoon um, and, and bringing that into play as well. I think you can build up from something very small. Oh, absolutely. And actually, one of the things that I I like to emphasize are movement opportunities, not exercise. Um, I get, you know, quite a bit of my fitness just from movement opportunities. And because a lot of people think of exercise and I think I need to change my clothes. I have to get sweaty. It has to be for a certain period of time. But mm. um, I have, you know, um, in between tasks, I'll go into, yeah. you know, five to 15 pull-ups in between, you know, before I start dinner, I might get on the floor and do 25 push-ups. Um, I do a lot of walking meetings on the phone and I just had a 15 minute meeting with, um, with somebody earlier today that I used to coach. And I immediately went outside and walked around the neighborhood while I was talking to her. So there are movement opportunities that you can do that have nothing to do with getting sweaty or changing your clothes or, or even making you breathe heavy. You know, it's, but, you know, finding those throughout the day, I think is as important, if not more important than, you know, exercising for 45 minutes or an hour. Mm, mm. Yeah, definitely more movement. Um, rather than sitting behind a desk all day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can have those opportunities to stand up and stretch and move around, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a better way to, I guess, you know, um, help someone get started because it's not like a chore then that, oh, I've got to, you know, do a half an hour exercise routine now. Right, right. And I, I actually, one of my first clients was a hairdresser and she hated exercise. She didn't want to get sweaty and and she didn't want to join a gym. And so we created five five-minute routines she mm-hmm. could do in a skirt without getting sweaty. And after two months, she sent the my favorite text I've ever received. And she said, I think my butt's getting higher just from opportunities. <laughs> this stuff works. And to the, you know, this was about six years ago. And now she does work out all the, you know, and she does exercise more. And it was those and she likes it and it was those movement opportunities that helped her shift her mindset that she doesn't have to get sweaty and change her clothes every time and you know it, it's it's not an excuse you know it's like well i only have five minutes well that's great you can do a lot in five minutes you can do a lot in one mm. but then connecting the mind with the, the benefits from you know just the little notices the changes that make you sort of feel good then go actually you know what i can do that again um, mm-hmm. that really, really impacts you. And I'm, I'm noticing that now, you know, I try not to make it a chore or anything in the evening when I do my little exercise and that might be yoga or going for a walk or a little bit of gym activity. 
Uh, and I said, I'm just going to do it and I'm not going to put stress on myself to do anything, you know, over the top. Um, yeah. And just doing it makes you feel good. So I say, okay, well, I can do it. I'll just do it again. Yeah. Um, and same with those other disciplines as well that I'm trying. So, yeah, it's interesting. Do you find people are bringing a bit more balance into work and life? I think that COVID for many people has um, put some balance in their life because almost in a forced way um, yeah. because they're at home more and they're spending more time with their families. People have, there are a lot of people that have had a more positive experience. Um, not overall. I mean, not, you know, from a country standpoint from, you know, it's of course it's not positive, but they are spending more time at home. They're with their family. They're having dinner together. I mean, I know for me, I used to travel, uh, I think last year I spoke 70 times and most of that was out of the city. And so yeah. I was traveling, you know, a few times a month and it's been nice to, um, you know, have lunch with my husband every day. And he's a professional musician. So he was gone a lot on the weekends. Yeah. And now we, you know, hang out on the weekends. So I think that for some people, um, it actually, you know, has provided more balance that when things do get, you know, closer to the way they were before, it will be a shift in thinking. And, you know, I know for a lot of my travelers, they've already said, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to go back to traveling as much as I was because I'm enjoying being at home. Yeah, I've heard that often, actually. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. The, um, I mean, do you, do you work for a certain amount of hours a day? Like, is there, or is it just, you do what you need to do and then do other things? I typically do what I need to do. However, I do have an alarm. My Alexa goes off at six o'clock and plays one of my favorite dance songs. And that is my trigger, my cue to stop working. So I don't work after six and I um, don't work past four o'clock on Fridays. And I might work a couple hours on a Saturday if I want to. And typically that's because I've, you know, maybe gone out with a friend during the week or I've done something during the week where I, you know, haven't. you got time to catch up on. Yeah. 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 But, um, but I actually kind of enjoy working on Saturday mornings for some things. Um, but it, it's not a set, a set number of hours a day. It's really more about the output and the outcome. Yeah. And that's what I, I sort of, um, I, I interviewed someone a couple of months ago and, really brought it to my attention that, you know, sometimes we just, we work a certain amount of hours because that's what we're sort of been trained to do yes. rather than really thinking about, well, what's the output here? And, and, you know, I really believe that if you've got the right um, strategies and, and productivity practices in place, you can do a heck of a lot in a short amount of time and probably mm -hmm. get most of what you want to do every day in a few hours rather than a whole day. Um, oh, absolutely. I think that most people are spending their whole day and rather than spending just a few hours and then going on and doing other things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even for me, you know, I'm going to go and ride for an hour when we're done here and it's about 4.05 and I'll get back, you know, maybe it'll be like 5.30. I will still make sure I'm done at 6. Like that is, that is my cutoff and mm. you know, I'll come in and I'll um, process email one more time. Uh, because this is my normal processing time, but I'm, I won't just keep working because I didn't get X amount of hours in. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I think, um, I mean, do you find people struggle with that, the working hours? Like, cause I'm, I'm, I love, you know, to work generally. I, 
I'm one of those people that are very busy people and that's sometimes a, a benefit but also a negative. Um, do you find people struggle the same way like with work and, and can you help them reduce their hours so they can have more balance and more play? Yes. And it, you know, when you love your, what you do, which you said you do, I love what I do too, then. Sometimes I wonder. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I really love what I do. And so to me, it's, sometimes I feel like it's almost like a forceful thing. Like I need to stop working, but it's because I know that taking that time away is going to what helps me, you know, is it's what's going to help me later, you know, to be able to give more energy to my business or to my family or to myself. You know, that's when you are creative. You know, when I ride, you know, when I go for a run or ride my bike or sit in my sauna, that's when I come up with ideas, not when I'm just, you know, trudging away all day at the laptop. So for me, it's um that that's part of the balance. And sometimes mm. I have to kind of convince people, you know, you are going to be better if you take this time away. Mm. We're not robots. No, no. Um, do you find that, you know, you have to remind yourself of what's necessary and what's not? Because I think we can we can often keep, you know, adding to our to-do list things that perhaps really aren't that necessary. I think sometimes we've just overcomplicated things and uh, simplicity is, is often key. Yeah, there are certain times that um, I go into mission critical mode and I have the mission on the whiteboard. You know, what am I focusing on right now? And, yeah. you know, like I said earlier, before we started recording, I'm relaunching my book in a few weeks and that will be my mission at that point. And if it doesn't have to do with the mission, then it just doesn't get done and that's okay. Mm. So reframing, you know, what, what has to get done is this, is this busyness or business? Yeah. And a lot of times we fill it with busyness, you know, with a Y instead of an I. Yeah. Yeah. I like the old 80, 20 principle, you know, looking yes. at what are the things that actually matter in your business or whatever you do, your work and yeah. what are the things that really don't add that much value. And, and, you know, if they are removed, is it going to be a big, big issue? And I, I found that in my industry, particularly that it's, it's necessarily not, you know, if I focus on a, a few core activities, generally mm -hmm. that's enough. And yes, yeah. there's admin and there's stuff that, you know, has to be done around most jobs, but, um, that stuff can get, um, uh, processed or systematized very easily to to reduce time constraints as well. Yeah, agree. Uh, what um, so you've got a book uh, a relaunch of this book, Work Well, Play More, coming out again in November, was it? Yes. Is there a I, way um, people can get that? Is it just through your website or? Oh no, you can get that on Amazon. Amazon. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. I'll get the link and I'll stick that in the show notes, guys, for you listening out there today. And you've got a website. Um, I know there's a workwellplaymore.com website. Mm -hmm. Workwellplaymore.com is my company and yeah. also features my team specialist. That's more for companies that want me to come in or yeah. want us to come in. And then marcyrader.com is where I write and also for private coaching. Okay. Marcyrader.com? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yep. Cool. I'll stick those links in the show notes. Uh, any final thoughts, Marcy? Where would you like to leave us or direct us? I would like to leave everyone with a challenge. Mm -hmm. And that is to pick one time, one thing that you do on a consistent basis, whether it's, you know, 
eating a you know eating lunch, um, eating dinner, uh, working out, um, having coffee with a friend, whatever that is, and making that a screen-free time. And if there are you know if there's one thing that you can do to help your productivity the most in the afternoon, it's taking a screen-free lunch. So if yeah. you are uh, if your habit is to eat lunch in front of a screen every day, um, maybe choose one or two days a week that you are screen free. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And uh, something I could probably do a bit more because I'm on these screens often, uh, as we mostly are. So good advice, Marcy. I'll uh, stick the links in the show notes, guys, so you can reach out to Marcy Connect. And uh, Marcy, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwhy.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee martin Utsi. until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon